It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 185 of the podcast. It is Sweeping America, the Aaron Sports Podcast. Great show today. It is Sunday. We are heading into October. I can't believe it. We are actually getting really, really, really close to college basketball season. Still going to be primarily a football show today, but I will tell you this. This Saturday coming up is October 6th. October 6th marks the one-month anniversary, or I guess it's not an anniversary, whatever. It is the one-month date to the start of college basketball season when Kentucky will be playing Michigan State, when Kansas will be playing Duke. So a lot of college hoops coming up. I have actually probably about two dozen, maybe not two dozen, but probably 15 college basketball questions in a mailbag. So next episode, that was going to be one for the ages. This one... It's going to be like a B plus. No, I'm kidding. It's going to be great today. But next episode, we're going to do a full college basketball mailbag because it's another slow week in college football. Also, I should mention, next episode, special guest, Kirk Herbstreet. He will be here uh, promoting something he's working with. I think it's Goodyear. I get him for about 10 minutes on Wednesday. If you have any questions you want me to ask him, you can hit me up, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Uh, you can also, of course, always hit me on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. But Kirk Herbstreet Thursday, and then I'll do a college basketball mailbag after that. Maybe do two or three mailbags over the next couple weeks because I do have a lot of questions sitting in the old mailbag. I got one on Archie Miller one on the Pac-12, one on Cassius Winston versus Ashton Hagens. So there will be a lot to get to college hoops related. In terms of today, in terms of right now, in terms of Monday, like I told you, kind of a B-plus episode for me today. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's going to be a great episode. So much to get to. And I think this is why I'm actually really excited about today's show. It's because I think for the first time this college football season – I think we have actual like real narratives that we can kind of sink our teeth into. So like, you know, early in the season, you don't really know what's what and Auburn beats Oregon, but does it really mean anything? I mean, are both teams really good or both teams really bad? Like you don't really know. But now we have five full weeks. Some teams are basically almost at the halfway point of their season. And I think we have real tangible things to talk about. And so it's no more speculations, no more hot takes, it's no more innuendo. It's kind of like we have data to back up what we're talking about. So here are some of the topics I'm going to get into today. Um, Clemson, absolute disaster. Don't think they're the number one team in the country. And I think there's a very interesting situation brewing if they are to lose a game. 
I think they could miss the playoff. Reigning national champions, maybe the future uh, number one pick in the NFL draft, Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. I don't even think it's maybe. I think he definitively will be in two seasons. But they're not very good right now. They almost lost to North Carolina, so we'll get into that. And I think that it could be a very fascinating scenario coming down the home stretch with them. Uh, we will get into the team that, hate to brag, I told you a week ago, I think is the best team in college football, Ohio State. They dominate Nebraska. What does it mean for Ohio State? What does it mean for Nebraska? Uh, we'll wrap up on the college football stuff with a little Tua. I just have kind of a Tua kind of thought opinion. I think we're spending so much time talking about Jalen Hurts and, and Joe Burrow and some of these other guys. I think we're forgetting how awesome Tua is and that was on full display on Saturday afternoon. And then we will wrap with some college basketball today because obviously if you pay attention to the sport, Georgia Tech got hammered with some NCAA sanctions last week. Um, what does it mean for Georgia Tech? What does it mean potentially for Kansas and all of these teams wrapped up in the FBI trials? Because I do think there is kind of an underlying thing with Georgia Tech. I don't think we have to talk Georgia Tech. We'll talk about the broader picture and what those sanctions mean going forward. And then we'll wrap. I don't know if you saw this. We'll we'll wrap literally and figuratively. Uh, Bill Self, a video surfaced of him on the internet uh, wearing some chains and an Adidas shirt. And uh, I guess Snoop Dogg will be performing at basically their version of Midnight Madness. They call it Late Night at the Fog. Uh, no different than Louisville Live, which was this past weekend for Louisville fans. Uh, Big Blue Madness for Kentucky fans. Uh North Carolina had their Roy Williams spectacle where he was singing and dancing. So Kansas has theirs. Bill Self uh, was caught uh, in a very interesting video, which I will discuss at the end of the show. But first, I want to remind everybody, please make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I'll say this. I appreciate your guys' support so much. So many of you reach out to me on Twitter, through email, on Instagram. The Instagram account is is growing, and I can't tell you how much it means to me. So make sure if you're not already subscribed, and I know you are, but if you're not, hypothetically, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that on Podcast Addict. You can do it on Podbean, TuneIn Radio. Basically, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are now available. Spotify, I might add, also available to show. Again, Podcast Addict, for those of you who do not have uh, an iPhone, an Android, if you have an Android, that is the best place to reach me. Aaron Torres podcast question or not Aaron Torres podcast uh, podcast addict and then in terms of the other stuff the Instagram I've told you before I appreciate all you guys who listen Aaron Torres Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram and then Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com and as I've mentioned we have a stack of of proverbial electronic mail. So it's not a literal stack because they're emails, but a figurative stack of email uh, as you guys want to talk college hoops, man. And I, I appreciate you guys sticking with me through these kind of slow couple weeks where there hasn't been a ton of college hoops. And we will obviously go heavy college hoops over the next couple weeks. And then, of course, into the season, into what is the most entertaining sport uh, into March, beyond, and on, and on, and on, and on, and on. All right, so let's get into the football stuff. And like I said, we'll hit some basketball at the end because I do think there is some compelling basketball stuff. But I want to start 
with what was kind of the big story coming into the weekend. And if you, you watch college football throughout the season, if you listen to this show for sure, you already know where I'm going to start and what it all means. And where I'm going to start is very simply this. Clemson has been ranked number one in the country all season long. And if you think about it, by the way, it's kind of stupid, right? Like, like we do this thing in college sports where we have a ranking, and like I get why we do rankings. It's something for people to talk about. But it's kind of absurd that in a sport where the teams change up every year, this isn't the NBA or the NFL where the teams are kind of the same year to year. Like the teams change fundamentally. Like there's eight or nine guys that were on Alabama last year that aren't there anymore that are now in the NFL. Eight or nine guys that were the best players at Clemson last year that are now in the NFL. Yet because Clemson had Trevor Lawrence returning, because they were defending national champions, we put them number one in our polls. And pollsters do this weird thing where it's like, oh, you know, they're, they're number one until somebody knocks them off. It's like, why? Nobody watching college football thinks that Clemson is the best team in the country right now. And that was proven on Saturday in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where the North Carolina Tar Heels almost beat the Clemson Tigers. I'm assuming most of you watched it. It was one of the games of the day. It was certainly the biggest, I think, storyline. Now, I think Ohio State, you can maybe argue, is just as big of a storyline, how good they looked relative to how bad Clemson looked. But to me, the story really was the Clemson Tigers. They came into the season number one. We had such high expectations. Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, I'll defend people that really hype Trevor Lawrence. Like, the kid is 6'6". He's got a massive arm. He's a great athlete. He's apparently a very smart kid, reads defenses, all that stuff. So I get why the hype was there, but he isn't living up to the hype right now. Clemson isn't living up to the hype right now, and they almost lost on Saturday on the road at North Carolina. And if you've been watching Clemson all year, they've won games, but they haven't really been all that impressive. I mean, you can go back to opening night, Georgia Tech, new head coach, new system, and really if you watch that game, it wasn't until the end of the game that Clemson blew it open late. Week two, I spent a ton of time hyping up Texas A&M. Clemson doesn't really play all that well against Texas A&M. They end up winning the game. But now, by the way, Texas A&M almost lost to Arkansas last night or last week, this week. So maybe Arkansas, maybe Texas A&M isn't even very good. Syracuse, they didn't look very good against Syracuse. And so when I look at this Clemson team, they haven't looked like the dominant consensus, proverbial, no doubt about it, number one team in the country all season long. And so what happens? I told you on Thursday's show, I said, I think they go to North Carolina and get a win. I think it's low scoring. I think it's ugly. I predicted something like 27 to 10. Uh, I didn't expect this big butt kicking. I just thought it was Clemson goes in. They score a couple touchdowns. They play good defense. They get out with a win. Um, And it wasn't even that. It wasn't even that. The two teams were basically even the entire game. Same number of first downs. Clemson had a little bit more total yardage, but they were every bit the equal on Saturday afternoon. And so it comes down to the end of the game. Clemson's not looking very good. North Carolina drives down the length of the field. And with 117 left, Clemson was up 21-14. North Carolina scores to make it 21-20. And they elect to, rather than kick an extra point with one minute left in the game, they elect to go for two. And so we're going to get back to Cle- we'll get back to Clemson in a second, but really quick on North Carolina, I saw a lot of this. Oh, how can you go for two? It's stupid. It's shut up. Just it's stupid. Here, here's my my real kind of quick thought on that. I was stunned that people were like anti going for two. 
first of all, that's like going to a bar, seeing a pretty girl, and not going over and asking for her phone number. Like, you're you're North Carolina, right? Like, you were two and nine last year. Mac, you're 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 irrelevant in the college football scene, and so this is why I have no problem with them going for two. You were two and nine last year, and now you have a chance to beat the number one team in the country. You're not playing for the national championship. You were two and two coming into this game. Um, let's be honest. Mac Brown's like 107 years old. Like, like he's not going to be here forever. Like, Mac Brown realistically isn't trying to build a national championship team. He's trying to build a good team to hand it off to the next guy. And realistically, like, you know, North Carolina's like ahead of schedule right now relative to where we thought they would be. But they were 2-2 two and two coming in yesterday. They're not competing for a national championship. That game is their national championship. And so I have no problem with them deciding to go for two there to try and win that game. And it's like I said, it's like shooting your shot at the, at the bar. Like sometimes it's going to work out. You're going to get that number. You're going to feel good. Who knows? You meet up a couple days later. You have a couple drinks. Who knows what happens? I'm not going to say. It's not my business. I'm staying out of it. And sometimes it doesn't work out. But you still got to shoot your shot. What's the worst that can happen? She says, no, okay, big deal, you move on. You're North Carolina, what happens? You're not playing for a national championship. If you lose this game, you're not out of the playoff picture. You were out of the playoff picture the day practice began. Let's be honest. North Carolina was out of the, North Carolina was out of the, the playoff picture the day that college football decided to have a playoff, okay? Like, North Carolina, I don't want to say is completely irrelevant in college football, but, like, they don't matter. And so this was their shot. This was their shot to win the game. And I also think that strategically, I don't think it was a bad move because as bad as Clemson was, as bad as they have been all year, as bad as they've been playing, you kick the extra point there. One, first of all, this was my this was the argument that I heard. Well, there's still a minute left, and Clemson still has time to drive the length of the field. Well, guess what? First of all, you kick the extra point. Clemson still has a minute left. They still get a minute to drive the length of the field, and they still have a chance to come back and win it. That, that was the argument that my, uh, my radio partner, Arnie Spaniard, used is, well, you know, you know, even if you get two, Clemson still has a minute left. Well, if you kick the extra point, Clemson still has a minute left to drive down the length of the field and to get, the, um, and to get, to get into field goal range and potentially win the game. But to, to kind of further that point, the bigger thing for me is that even though even though you were outplaying Clemson and they look terrible, that was still, I think, their best chance to win. And so I don't blame North Carolina at all because the alternative is you kick the extra point. One, you got to stop Clemson again for a minute and you got to hope that they don't get in field goal range, that Trevor Lawrence doesn't basically complete two passes and get into field goal range. And even if you do survive regulation, you got to go to overtime where you're starting with the ball on the 20-yard line. And so I think North Carolina knew that one, like I said, this is their Super Bowl. This is their national championship. They're not competing for a playoff berth. And two, to take it a step further, I think they also kind of realize like, you know what? This is probably our best chance to win because as bad as Trevor Lawrence has been playing today, as bad as he's been all year, you put him on the 20-yard line with all those wide receivers, chances are pretty good he's going to score a touchdown every single time and we're going to have to match him point for point against what is still one of the best defenses in college football. So I had no fundamental issue with North Carolina going for it. I thought it was the right move. It didn't work out. And that's the other thing too, real quick, and we'll get back to Clemson because I think there's a bigger conversation about Clemson, but I do find it really interesting. Like we do this in sports sometimes where somebody can make the right decision and it doesn't work out. And so because it doesn't work out, we criticize it, right? Just like sometimes people make the wrong decision, and because it works out, 
And if it works out, then we choose not to criticize him. And so I use this example the other. I, I use this example with this game. Remember the opening night, Auburn versus Oregon. Remember when Auburn, when they decided last second we're going to chuck it up and we're going to we're going to let our wide receiver go for the ball and he's going to catch it. And they, he ended up catching it, and they ended up winning the game with like seven seconds to go. It was the wrong call, though. That was my issue with that call at the time. It's still my issue. It was the wrong call. Auburn was in field goal range. There was whatever it was, 12, 13, 14 seconds left. If the kid gets sacked, there's the chance that the clock runs out. There's the chance that he gets sacked out of field goal range. There's a, chance, there's a million things that could go wrong. What Auburn should have done was handed the ball up the middle, try to pick up another four or five yards to get closer to the, for the game-winning field goal. They throw the touchdown pass. The, the touchdown pass is completed, and even though it worked out, it was still the wrong move. But we don't criticize it because it worked out. And so I think we're kind of doing the same thing with North Carolina here, and I know I'm kind of going in a million different directions. I, get, I drank some coffee this evening. I'm sorry. I'm all super hyped up. But... Um, we, we criticized North Carolina because it didn't work, but I still think it was the right move. So I don't blame North Carolina. Like I said, sometimes you got to shoot your shot. This was their best chance to win. This was the best chance at kind of a program-changing win. Uh, and again, let's be honest. It's North Carolina. It's football. It doesn't matter. They're just going to football games to entertain themselves until basketball starts. And oh, like I said, Mac Brown, He's not like a year away from, he's not going to win a national championship there. And Mac Brown's just collecting checks and living his best Mac Brown life. So I had no problem with it. I will say this though. Let's go back to Clemson. Because like I said, I got some takes on Clemson, baby. And that's this. I think they are going to be the most interesting storyline in college football for the second half of the year for this reason. Maybe maybe the SEC is a little bit more interesting because the SEC now maybe has four teams that are potential playoff contenders if you think Auburn is there as well. But what I would say, I am so fascinated with Clemson for this reason. And I tweeted it out. Some Clemson fans got mad at me. Whatever. Clemson basically has no margin for error with the rest of the regular season. Like, if they lose a game, I think there's a very, very good chance that they get left out of the playoff. And here's why. If you look at their schedule, first of all, I think a lot of people are sitting here saying, AT, there's no way they're going to finish undefeated. And I think that's totally fair. But what I would also say, if you look at their schedule, it's hard to find the loss, okay? So they get a bye this week coming up. Then they play Florida State at home. Florida State's improved, but, you know, they're, they're not there. They play at Louisville, not happening. Against Boston College, okay. Against Wofford, okay. At NC State, Wake Forest, and South Carolina. And so I'm sorry. I don't see a single loss on that schedule. I know Wake Forest right now, for people who don't know, I don't know how many Wake Forest fans that we have listening to this show. Uh, Wake Forest is currently 5-0. and I'm sorry. Wake Forest is not the equivalent of Clemson, so please stop. Um it's Wake Forest, right? Like they're not like Clemson's not losing to Wake Forest. It's like Colin Cowherd. I heard Colin Cowherd say this on his show one time. There's a lot of forests I've been to. Wake Forest ain't one of them. Okay, well, Wake Forest ain't beating Clemson. But the point is, even if they win, I think they could be a team that, even if they go undefeated, I think there's going to be debate on the final day of the regular season whether they should actually be in the playoff or not. Because think about think about the fact. The toughest games of their schedule have already passed. A&M, which probably isn't a top 25 team, struggled against Arkansas the other day. Syracuse no longer in the top 25. Those were the toughest games on the schedule. And so I think there's a very realistic chance that by the end of the season, 
Clemson will have played zero teams that are in the top 25 by the end of the season. Now, when they played A&M, they were in the top 25. When they played Syracuse, they were in the top 25. Wake Forest is currently in the top 25, but I'll be honest. Wake Forest's best win is probably Boston College or the same UNC team. Wake Forest ain't very good, and everybody else on Clemson's schedule has at least two losses. And so Clemson is very likely going to finish the regular season without playing or beating a team that's in the top 25. And by the way, even if A&M is in the top 25, guess what? A&M is probably going to be the fourth or fifth best win for a lot of SEC teams. Like, like A&M is going to be the fourth best win on Alabama's schedule the entire season. LSU, Georgia, the same. And so I think it's going to be really interesting. I think I can already see into the future where the playoff scenario comes in that makes it tough on the committee. Is certainly, if, if even if Clemson's undefeated, I think you could make the case that say like LSU finishes 11-1, and they beat Auburn, they've obviously already beaten Texas, they beat Florida, and they lose to Bama. And their only loss is to Bama, but they have three or four really good wins. Like, there's a scenario where LSU's fourth best win could be Texas A&M, who is Clemson's best win. And if that's the case... Could the committee actually leave out an undefeated Clemson team? Now, I don't think it's going to happen. Clemson is the reigning national champion. Trevor Lawrence is, is, is so gifted. I don't think the committee would do it. What I do think is very realistic, though, if Clemson loses one of these games, I'm telling you right now, I think it's going to be really hard to justify. So, so let's say Clemson loses a game. Let's say that Ohio State, Oklahoma, they're in. Let's just put them in because they both look really good right now. Let's put in the SEC champ, whether it is Georgia, LSU, or Alabama. Um, and let's say, like, like, let's just compare apples to apples with a one-loss Clemson team and a one-loss LSU or a one-loss Alabama or a one-loss Georgia. I'm telling you, that Clemson resume isn't going to stack up. And so I will be fascinated to see what happens in the coming weeks, in the coming months with Clemson, because I think they really do have zero margin for error. I think they absolutely have to go undefeated to guarantee that they're in the playoff because their resume just is not going to stack up. And when you look at a potential one-loss Clemson team against a one-loss Georgia, if Georgia loses in the SEC championship game, or a one-loss Bama, if Bama loses to Georgia, it's going to be very fascinating. But to me, I think this is incredible. I think this is going to be incredible narrative going forward. And I'm also not sold that Clemson isn't going to get tripped up somewhere along the way. And I could see a scenario where, let's say, Alabama wins the SEC championship game. I could see a scenario where Alabama's in, Ohio State's in, Oklahoma's in, and we're arguing about Clemson versus Georgia or Clemson versus LSU or Clemson versus LSU and Georgia for that fourth spot. I'm a guy that likes the four-team college football playoff. Uh, I know some people want it to go to eight. I'm just saying, I think it's going to make for a fascinating conversation going into that uh, part of the season. All right, let's move off of Clemson, because I thought I was going to talk about them for like five minutes, and I talked to for about them for much, much, much longer, although I did end up talking. I did go, that North Carolina rant was one for the ages, though, wasn't it? Uh didn't think I would be talking about Mac Brown, shoot your shot, all that stuff. But, you know, sometimes the podcast, you just start and you don't know where it's going to take you. So, let's talk a little Ohio State. Because, guys, you know me. Guys and girls. And ladies. I'm sorry. There's a lot of ladies that listen to this show. No disrespect. Guys and girls. 
you know I don't like to brag. You know I don't like to talk about myself and my predictions that go right and how awesome I am and how much I know about sports. I don't, I don't like to do all that. That's, that's, that's not my style. But do you remember last week when I was at Legacy Stadium in Vegas recording this show and I said, guys, i got to be honest. I think Ohio State might be the most complete team in college football right now. It was something that I don't think anybody was saying at the time. I think everyone was kind of like, yeah, we'll wait and see on Ohio State. Clemson's probably better. Bama's probably better. LSU, LSU beat Texas. They're definitely better. And I was like, no, you know, I think Ohio State's really good. Well, hate to brag, but your boy, Nostra Torres. Yeah, I broke that out again. You remember Nostra Torres from college basketball season last year. Nostra Torres, I said it. I said, I think Ohio State's the best team in college football. And I think they showed it last night because they put the hurting on Nebraska. Like, I actually felt bad for Nebraska. And we'll get back into Ohio State. I'm going to do the side tangent North Carolina thing that I just did, but I'll do it with Nebraska now. I actually felt bad. Nebraska has some of the most passionate, loyal, like kind-hearted fans in college football. You know Nebraska sold out every single game since the 1960s, and they've had some dark moments during that time. Now, they were really good for a long stretch, but they've been really bad for like the last 20 years. They haven't finished in the top 10 since 2001. We got kids playing college football that weren't even born in 2001 um, or weren't even born the last time Nebraska finished in the top 10. And so it was funny coming into this game because we like like the national narrative, and it's always amazing to me with college football I feel like there, there's always this push for nostalgia. Oh, is the U, is Miami, are they finally back? Is Texas back? Is USC back? Is Nebraska back? And like, if you just watched college football, you, I could have I told you, no, Nebraska's definitely not back. They're back to you thinking they're back, but they're not actually back. Because I watched Nebraska. I watched them in week one against South Alabama. They won 35-21. to 21. They had three non-offensive touchdowns. Their offense got outscored by South Alabama. I watched them in week two blow a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter to Colorado. I watched them. They were down in Illinois in week four. Are they back? They went four and eight last year. What do you mean back? Yeah, they're back to going to the freaking Meineke Car Care Bowl. They're not back to being relevant. And whoo. Ooh, buddy, did Ohio State prove that on Saturday night? I mean, it wasn't even, they weren't even, Nebraska wasn't even in the same stratosphere as Ohio State. And, and this is my thing with college football. Like, like, how about Nebraska gets to the level of like Iowa or Purdue or Wisconsin or like even Penn State? Like Penn State's a good 10-win team. They're not Ohio State, but let's start with, let's start with achievable goals, right? Like, you, like everyone wants to be a billionaire, but you got to get to like, a million first, and then 10 million, and then 100 million. Then, then you start thinking about a billion. It's the same with Nebraska. Don't worry about are we back to like, can we compete for the playoff? Like, how about you beat the teams you're supposed to? How about you go six and six and go to a bowl game before we start talking about are you back? So, no, they're not back. But you know who is back is Ohio State. And I'm telling you right now, I think today they are the most complete team in college football. Now, are they the best team? I don't know. We'll find out. That's why we have a playoff. Find out who the best team is in the middle of January. But are they the most complete team? I absolutely think so. I listed off these stats the other day on this show. But 
here are the categories that coming into the week, let, let's just start with defense. Coming into the week, Ohio State, just defensively now, they ranked in the top 10 nationally in the following categories that I'm about to list. They ranked in the top 10 nationally in total defense, yards per play allowed, rushing defense, rushing touchdowns allowed, yards per rush allowed, and then, oh, by the way, sacks and tackles for loss. So they have an elite defense. Offensively, Justin Fields, we spend so much time talking about Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. We'll get to two in a minute because I have some two of thoughts. Justin, Justin Fields, after last night, you know what his totals are? How about this? 22 total touchdowns, 16 passing touchdowns, 6 rushing touchdowns, 0 interceptions, 0 fumbles. He is playing as well as anybody in college football. And so that team went on the road. By the way, they kick field goals, they punt well, they cover punts. They do everything at, at a very, very, very high level. And so Ohio State right now, to me, is the most complete team in college football and they proved it. I thought it was so interesting coming out of that game. It wasn't even really coming out of it. It was like coming out of the, the halftime. Because by the end of the first quarter, it was 14 nothing. By the end of the second quarter, it was 38 nothing. And so everybody had to spend half time in the second half actually having conversations about Ohio State. And the conversation was like, are they the best team in college football? Again, who knows what best is? But I do think they are the most complete, though. I don't know what they don't do well. And that's my thing with Ohio State. I think they can beat you playing defensively. I think they can beat you high scoring. I think they can beat you if Justin Fields wants to run the ball. I think they can beat the ball. They can beat you if Justin Fields wants to throw the ball. I think if you try to take Justin Fields out, they have running backs that can make plays. They have wide receivers that can make plays. And so coming out of that game, they are the team that right now I feel like is the best team in college football. It's Ohio State. Um, listen, and there are other teams, and teams get better and teams get worse over the course of the year. I don't know who's going to be the best team on December 1st or January 15th or whenever the national championship is, but I look at these teams now, and I told you about Clemson. Clemson, they're a mess offensively. LSU, I don't know if LSU's good on defense. They're usually pretty good, but I'm kind of confused about, they're giving up a lot of points. They give up 38 to Texas, they give up 38 to Vandy, and it's like, is their defense bad or is their offense just scoring so much that their defense is now on the field regularly? I don't have an answer to it, but I have questions about their defense. Bama, again, gave up a bunch of yardage the other day to Ole Miss. I think Bama's really good, but this is probably the worst uh, defense that Nick Saban has had at Bama. Ole Miss was playing a true freshman playing in his first game in college football, and they went for almost 500 yards of total offense, and they weren't even trying to throw the ball. So I bring all this up just to say that um, I look across college football and I think everybody's got some kind of major question marks except Ohio State. So it's going to be fascinating to see Ohio State uh, has a couple tough games coming up. They have a pretty manageable schedule here over the next couple weeks. Uh, going into this coming weekend, they play uh, Michigan State, which can't score. So I think they should win that game pretty comfortably. Then at Northwestern, then the big one against Wisconsin. By the way, I should give a shout out really quick while we're on the Big Ten to Penn State. Uh, hate to brag. Again, bragging's not my style, not what I do. So I don't. I, I feel uncomfortable telling you this, but the college football picks were 5-1-1 one, one against the spread this week. Only one I missed on, didn't give Penn State enough credit. 
Penn State might actually be legitimately good as they boat raced Maryland on Friday night. So we should give a quick shout out to Penn State. I do want to wrap from the college football segment on one last thing, and that is Tua Tonga Viola. And I, I, I want to go to kind of a weird place, and I feel like nobody else is talking about it besides me, but I feel like it needs to be discussed. And that's this. Are we... Like, I don't know if it's possible for us to overlook the quarterback at Alabama that finished second in the Heisman Trophy, which, by the way, last year he was robbed from Kyler Murray. That's neither here nor there, because as we've learned again this year, Lincoln Riley can turn anybody into a Heisman candidate. But um, are we overlooking Tua? Like, it sounds crazy, but but hear me out on this, because I think we live in this society now, and, and listen, we're all part of it. I'm part of it, right? I cover college sports. Like, like part of my job is to hype Trevor Lawrence. Like Trevor Lawrence is better than half the quarterbacks in the NFL. Miami Dolphins would take him right now. Whatever. Like Zion, he's the best college player. Like you know, like like hyping is part of what we do, and I'm guilty of this too. So this isn't me being critical of people who are doing it, but we live in such a, this society where it's like it's such a rush to go to the next thing that I, I think sometimes we don't take the thing that we have. Like, we take the thing that we have for granted too much. So I'll give you an example. Like, the NBA, right? So what drives me crazy about NBA Twitter. Like, NBA Twitter, and, like, it annoys me because they'll they'll try to gas up a guy that, like, I've been high on for, like, four years. Like, I'll come on this podcast. I'll be like, dude, there's this junior in high school right now. So-and-so and so-and-so. He's freaking awesome. Like, uh, Terrence Clark's a guy. Like, Terrence, Terrence Clark's awesome. So in, like, two years, uh, NBA Twitter will gas him up. Like, they, they, like, they discovered Terrence Clark. But... The reason I bring up NBA Twitter is because it's like, like, like the NBA media does this worse than anybody. Where it's like they they spend so much time hyping up the next wave of guys that they don't appreciate the guys that they have right in front of them. Right? It's like 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 the NBA like it's unbelievable. Like two years ago, think about it. Two years ago, it was like, oh my God, Donovan Mitchell, he's taking over. He's he might be. And then it's like. And then Donovan Mitchell has a good season, but not a great one. And, like, everyone kind of moves off Donovan Mitchell. Ben Simmons, oh, my God, he's going to take over. Oh, then you realize, like, Ben Simmons can't shoot. And you're like, oh, wait a second. Like, he's good, but, like, let, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Oh, 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 oh. Like, this past year it was Luka Doncic. Oh, my God, Luka Doncic. Like, Luka Doncic didn't even make the playoffs. Calm down. And you know what? And I'll say this right now. We're At some point we're going to get bored with Luka Doncic. It's going to be Zion Williamson or it's going to be John Morant. Or it's going to be R.J. Barrett. Or it's going to be somebody else. And then – Next year with Zion, we're going to get tired of Zion, and it's going to be R.J. Hampton, or it's going to be LaMelo Ball or whatever. I mean, think about how hyped Lonzo Ball was two years ago. Now you never even hear about him. Like, this is what we do. But it's like we spend so much time hyping up the next guy that we don't appreciate the guy that we have in front of us. So, like, instead of, like, hyping up Donovan Mitchell because it's like, oh, my God, he got like he got the Jazz to the second round of the playoffs. Like, how about we just appreciate LeBron? Like, I'll, I'll take the guy that made eight straight NBA finals. Like, like I'll take that guy. You, you have fun with Donovan Mitchell over there. I'll take LeBron, I'll take Kawhi, two-time finals MVP, but you, you go talk about Donovan Mitchell over in the corner over there. But I bring that up because I feel like we're doing that in college football right now, where it's like, we're so excited about the next thing. Oh, Joe Burrow, LSU, they have a real offense. Oh, I was, uh, oh Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts, oh my God, he's the next Lincoln Riley, he's a, he's a sorcerer. It's like, how about we just appreciate Tua? Like, like, that's what I think is happening. We're so busy to gas up and hype up the next guy that it's like, you know, Tua's awesome. Like, I was watching Tua against Ole Miss, and I was like, I got to be honest. I think we just totally take this guy for granted. 
Tua is, I think, I'll say this. There have been more talented guys that I've watched in college football. Not many, but there have been some. Um, You know, Trevor Lawrence probably has a little bit of a higher ceiling. Peyton Manning, I was a little young, but I remember Peyton Manning, he was awesome. Michael Vick was awesome in his own way. Lamar Jackson was awesome in his own way. Johnny Manziel was awesome in his own way. But, like, Tua is really awesome in his own way. I'm going to read you Tua's stats right now. And what, what amazes me about Tua is every single play, he makes the right read. And, and you know, I don't do X's and O's on this show, but he makes the right read. He goes to the right receiver. He's super accurate. He throws the ball to the exact spot that only the receiver can catch it. And it's like, this guy is unbelievable. Here are his stats for the season. For Tua Tonga-Viola, the quarterback at the University of Alabama. After Saturday's game, obviously Bama's 5-0. and 1,700 yards passing. So he's on pace to throw about 3,600 yards or so. 76% completion percentage, which is bananas. 11 yards per completion average. 23 touchdowns. Zero interceptions. 23 touchdowns and zero interceptions. Are you kidding me? This guy is unbelievable. And so, listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't celebrate Jalen Hurts. But, like, let's also call a spade a spade on Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, okay, let me let me backtrack. Because I don't want this to sound like I'm tearing down Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is unbelievable, great kid, consummate. What I loved about Jalen Hurts at Bama was the way that he handled everything, went to the bench, didn't complain, stayed, was patient, and when he was called on last year in the SEC Championship game, he delivered. So let's not, I'm not going to tear down Jalen Hurts. I'm going to take back what I was going to say, because I was going to say, we're so busy hyping up Jalen Hurts, we're forgetting about the fact that Tua beat him out. And I'm not trying to be funny or sarcastic or anything like that, because I don't want to tear down Jalen Hurts. He's, he's everything that an athlete should be. I'm just saying, let's appreciate Tua, because again, I can already see it. I can already see the the sexy new Oklahoma quarterback and Joe Burrow who put up monster stats in this new offense for LSU. We're going to spend so much time talking about him that we're going to forget that Tua is really, really, really good. And like I said, 76% completion for Tua this year. Almost 12 yards, 11.5 yards per completion. 23 touchdowns. Zero interceptions. And by the way, this was after last year when he completed 69% of his passes, 11 yards per completion, 43 touchdowns, six interceptions. And I just watch him, and it's the way that he moves. It's the way that when the the defenders are coming at him, he sidesteps them, uh, throws a quick dart, first down, moves the chains. I mean, he's just impossible to defend for. And I would add this too. By the way, you know what's the crazy part about all this? Bama actually needs him this year to be this good offensively because their defense is a mess. Like I said, they give almost 500 yards to a true freshman quarterback playing in his first collegiate start against Ole Miss. Ryan Halinski from South Carolina two weeks ago, same thing, first career start, threw for almost 500 yards of total offense. Bama right now on defense Ranked 38th nationally. That's not a Bama defense. That's not a typical Bama defense. Seventh in the SEC alone. And so I'm just saying, I'm just saying, 
Bama needs Tua to be this good, and Tua is playing at such an insane level. And again, this isn't to tear down Jalen Hurts. This isn't to tear down Joe Burrow. It's to say, just don't forget about the guy that we have. Don't be the NBA fan that's so busy rushing for the next thing to talk about Luka Doncic and Donovan Mitchell that you're forgetting how good Kawhi and LeBron James are. All right. I think I'm done with college football. A couple other quick notes, by the way. Um, I do want to give a, a quick shout out to Auburn. Auburn crushed Mississippi State. I'm still not sure that I buy that Auburn is on the level of Bama, LSU, and Georgia. By the way, Auburn plays all three of those teams. They still play Bama. They still play LSU. They still play Georgia. By the way, they play Florida at Florida this week, so their schedule doesn't get any easier. But we need to give them credit because I was very critical of them in the preseason. I was very critical of them after the Oregon game. But right now, there isn't a team in college football that has a more impressive resume than Auburn, which beat um, they beat uh, A&M at A&M last week. They beat Oregon on a neutral field, and they crushed Mississippi State last week. So that's the last quick shout-out. And I do want to wrap on some college basketball stuff. And like I said, next week or next episode, it's going to be the rundown of the show. I'll do a quick college football segment off the top. Obviously, if there's college basketball news, I'll hit it. Kirk Herbstreet will be joining me on the next show, which is going to be awesome. And I will do a college basketball mailbag next episode. If you have college basketball questions, if you have college football questions too, hit me up, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. And I'll wrap with a little college basketball because there was a little piece of news that was really, 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 really interesting on last Thursday. And that came from Georgia Tech. And I'll be honest, I've been doing this podcast about two years now. I don't know if I've ever talked Georgia Tech on this show. They're so bad. They're so uninteresting. They're so irrelevant. And by the way, there are a couple programs in football and basketball that have just been annihilated by conference expansion, and Georgia Tech's one of them. I think Georgia Tech and Wake Forest and the ACC have been hurt by expansion more than anyone else in the ACC, because in the old days, those were two programs that used to be pretty good. We have some younger listeners to this show. When I was a kid, Wake Forest was the best team in the ACC. Georgia Tech was right there. They had Stephon Marbury. Um, you know, they made the national championship actually in 2004 against my UConn Huskies. UConn beat Georgia Tech in the 2004 title game, but Georgia Tech was crushed by conference expansion because of the fact that they were already competing with North Carolina and Duke every single season, trying to compete with them at the top of the ACC. And there was always a chance that you know one of them is down, or you have a good year, or whatever. But now, on top of North Carolina and Duke, they also got to compete with Louisville and Syracuse. And Notre Dame's pretty good. And Pitt has its moments. And so I, I, I don't know when Georgia Tech, if Georgia Tech will ever be good again. But what I can tell you is this. They are in big, 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 big trouble. Because last week, the NCAA came down with a punishment on Georgia Tech. And if you, didn't know, if you don't know a lot about the story, let me kind of explain it. So basically, Georgia Tech's been under NCAA investigation. Josh Pastner to kind of his credit, um, kind of befriended this guy who was kind of in a dark place in his life, and I think he was dealing with some kind of drug addiction, maybe painkillers or opioids or something like that, and he let the guy kind of just hang around the program, and I'm not here to talk about, you know, substance abuse because we all have situations in our family, I do too, but 
what I would say is the guy that he let hang around the program turned out to not be very trustworthy. And so he started giving the kids around the program free gifts and giving them free flights. And I think they were hanging out at his house and he was giving them meals. I mean, nothing major, but stuff that like very clearly is against NCAA rules. And to Josh Pastner's credit, he told his players like, hey, don't hang out with that guy. But when that guy's like giving you free flights and all that stuff, um, you know, sometimes you don't turn it down. Like, I don't know if I'd turn down a free flight if I was 21 years old. I don't know if I'd turn down hanging out at a guy's house, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, and he's giving me cash. So there was that incident. There was also a smaller incident where Jarrett Jack, who played it at Georgia Tech, ironically on that 2004 team that went to the national championship game, lost to UConn, no big deal. Um, uh, Jarrett Jack actually gave $300 to a recruit on a recruiting visit to go to a strip club. That player, by the way, was Wendell Carter. So fun fact on that. Another Duke player involved in an NCAA investigation. Neither here nor there. We won't, we're not going to talk about that. Um, but to backtrack, the NCAA saw that stuff, saw Georgia Tech's players uh, taking money, and then saw the strip club incident, and they hammered Georgia Tech. And so the big headline was that Georgia Tech is going to miss the 2020 NCAA tournament, which, listen, you guys all follow college basketball. That's why you listen to me. If you follow college basketball, you know, like, not that big of a deal. Georgia Tech was not making the NCAA tournament this year anyway. Now, I'll say this. There were some other really bad sanctions. For example, there are major recruiting restrictions. There's an eight-week ban on unofficial visits. I know that probably doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but I'm going to tell you this. Unofficial visits happen so much in college basketball and college football too. But, you know, a lot of times it'll be the summertime or it'll be the fall and a kid will be in town playing an AAU tournament or his high school team's playing in Atlanta, which is obviously a hub for college uh, college uh, uh, recruits. And they'll be going to Atlanta and they want to swing by campus. So they want to check out the facility or they want to meet the coach. Like, like unofficial visits happen all the time. Like that's actually the biggest complaint about, you know, college coaches have is like, I don't ever get a day off. Like even in the middle of the summer when there's nothing going on, you know, I'll have a kid that's in town that wants to come visit campus and I got to go into the office when I'd rather be playing golf or I'd rather be hanging out with my wife and kids. Um, So that's a big deal. Eight weeks of unofficial visits. Not allowed according to the NCAA. The other one, which I I thought was kind of insane, they also lost the ability to schedule official visits during home basketball games for the next two years. That is insane. They can't have any official visitors for the next two years on campus. And that to me is the death knell, right? Because like kids want to come to campus when school is in session, when they're taking an official visit. Unofficial visit is different. You're in town. You want to check out the campus. Okay, cool, whatever. Official visit, though, a lot of times kids want to come and they want to come when school is in session. They want to see what campus is like. A lot of times, let's be honest, they want to see what the girl situation is like, what the party situation is like. Um... And they want to go to a game. They want to know what a game is like. And so for Georgia Tech to not be able to have a kid on campus for for two years for an official visit during a game, that is a monster penalty. Um, Just for fun, I looked it up because that is a huge, huge, huge penalty. So just last year, I looked up Kentucky. Here's some of the guys that came to Kentucky specifically to watch games. Anthony Edwards, who obviously ended up at Georgia. Matthew Hurt, who ended up at Duke. Uh, The guys that they have on the team now, Tyrese Maxey came for a game. Um, Keon Brooks, I believe, came for at least one game. Jaden McDaniels came for a game. I mean, it is a major recruiting tool. So this is a crushing blow to Georgia Tech 
Real quick on Georgia Tech, and again, we don't talk a ton of Georgia Tech on this show for a reason, but I think this could be the end for Josh Pastner because the thing is, right, with, with all these NCAA, with all these coaching contracts, there's always stipulations that if you break NCAA rules, they can fire you without having to pay you the full, to, the full totality of your contract. And so when you look at Josh Pastner, I mean, he's now entering year five uh, at Georgia Tech. His best year was actually his first year um, when he inherited uh, a bunch of guys from the previous staff. They went 21 and 16. Last two years, he went 13 and 19, 14 and 18. So I guess he is entering year four, not year five. But um, went 13 and 19, 14 and 18 the last two years. And I will say, like, I think they would have been better this year. I also think this is Georgia Tech's get-out-of-jail-free card where they can basically say, like, you know what? Like, this guy, it just ain't working out. And we can get out of here without having to pay him his full contract. Like, I don't know. I think this might be the end for Josh Pastner um, at uh, at uh, Georgia Tech because I just don't see how things get any better and he's under contract through 2022-2023. Um, and so this is their get-out-of-jail-free card. So I think Josh Passner, by the end of this season, will be gone at Georgia Tech. One last little note on Georgia Tech, I promise we're going to get to Kansas, what it all means, is I also want to say this. Like I generally defend the NCAA. I didn't like this at all. I think it's a bad look to give a postseason punishment during once the school year has started because I don't think it's fair to the seniors on the team to go into a school school year and all of a sudden the possibility of going to the NCAA tournament is taken away from you. Again, Georgia Tech wasn't going to go, but the possibility being taken away I think is total nonsense. And I, I, and I was going to say, that is all I have to say about Georgia Tech, but I do want to talk about the implication that it potentially has for Kansas University. Because I'm telling you right now, the what Georgia Tech did did not warrant the sanctions that they got. What they did did not warrant all those recruiting restrictions and a postseason ban. And so what I think this says to me is this is the NCAA. This is kind of the trial balloon, right? That's a a term, right? Trial balloon. This is the NCAA's trial balloon. This is their little kind of message before the message of, yeah, um, yeah. You guys that were involved in this NCA stuff, this FBI stuff, you guys are screwed. Like, we are bringing the hammer to you, okay? Like, I want you to understand, you're going to get it good. And listen, I, I don't think we should do the total apples to apples. Well, Georgia Tech did this, and they got a one-year postseason ban, so that means that Kansas did this, and they're going to get a seven-year postseason ban. Like, let's not do that. But I just think the broader picture of what this message is from the NCA is you guys that you you're getting your notices of allegations right now we are coming after you and we are not backing off and your coaches are going to be held responsible and your programs are going to be held responsible and you're going to have recruiting restrictions and you're going to get in trouble and I'm just telling you I think this is a fascinating thing to watch uh, and I think it's much much more than Georgia Tech because in the broader picture I think that they're sending a message to the Kansases and the Arizonas and and whoever else gets involved. NC State got their notice of allegations, maybe Louisville, that we are not here to play. One last note. Did you guys see this Bill Self video that emerged on on Twitter, on social media on Friday? Um, it, it became like a weird talking point. So apparently 
uh, at their at Kansas's late night. Um, they call it late night at the Fog. It's their midnight madness event. They're apparently going to have Snoop Dogg. Okay, that's freaking cool. That's freaking awesome. So they decided to promote the video by Bill Self walking into a record shop with a T-shirt on and some chains and like you know I think he's trying to go for the Snoop Dogg look. I didn't really get what the parallel was, but what was interesting about it was this. Bill Self was not wearing a Kansas shirt, not wearing a Kansas basketball, Jayhawks. Didn't say Jayhawks basketball. You know what it said? It said Adidas basketball. And he was also, by the way, wearing a big dollar sign chain. And so to me, that was a big, fat middle finger to the NCAA. Um, And I don't know... Like I, I, like I, I certainly think it was intended. At first, I was like, you know what? I mean, all this stuff came out on Monday. This video comes out on Friday. Uh, did they really have time to produce this video? But I don't. I can't interpret it as anything other than the other than Bill Self giving a big middle finger to the NCA. I'll tell you this: like everyone in the media thought it was so funny, and I see all these all these media guys. That some of them I like, some of them I don't. Some of them I think they're a joke. Um, oh, look at Bill Self! That's so funny. Like, I don't think it's that funny. Like, I'll be honest. Like, let me be the old grumpy guy in the room. It's like, dude, like, you broke rules. Like, 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 like you're thumbing your nose. You're giving your middle finger to the NCAA. Like, you think that the coaches that lost to Kansas the year they had Silvio D'Souza when Kansas admitted that they paid to get Silvio D'Souza on campus, you think those coaches think that's funny? Like, you think the coaches that have been in the Big 12 that have lost their jobs because they can't beat Kansas because Kansas is planning, paying to get players, like, you think that's funny? So I thought it was kind of tacky by the media, and you know how the media does it. You know, the media is in this place now where it's like anything that's anti-NCAA, like the media rallies around and it's the funniest thing ever. Like, I don't think it's that funny. I don't think when you're about to get into trouble, like when you go in the principal's office, you don't walk in two middle fingers up. Like, you, you come in and you say, like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that, and please forgive me and all that stuff. But, you know, I don't know if Bill Self really believes that he's going to get off on these charges. I don't know if he doesn't care. I don't know if he's just going to go to the NBA after this season. I don't know, but I didn't think it was a good look by him. And, listen, I know there's other media that thought it was the funniest thing ever and blah, 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 and, like, I get it. Uh, wasn't the move that I would have made, though. All right. I just talked for an hour straight. By the way, funny story. Like, Nick Coffey was supposed to join me today. He had to bail at the last minute. So I just threw, <sighs> I hate to brag, but just threw this show together at the last minute. So, you know, you know how I do. Um, you know, just throw stuff together. It's what I do. But I want to thank you guys for downloading the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. As always, make sure you're subscribed. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on Podcast Addict if you have an Android. Do it on Podbean. You can do it on TuneIn Radio. Also, Please make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars if you don't mind. Like I said, last episode, our buddy Grafton J, awesome show, gets me through that long hour before lunch. Grafton, go grab some lunch. I hope I did the job. I hope I did the trick today. Very entertaining. So thank you, Grafton. Thank you to all of you who rate and review the show, who are subscribed. Also, make sure to follow on Instagram. Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. A lot of cool stuff going up there, and we will get up a lot more as we get towards basketball season. Also, Aaron Torres podcast questions. I know I've been teasing it for weeks, but next week I or next episode, I really will do a college basketball mailbag. If you want to get in your questions, it's not too late. 
I'll probably do two or three of them over the course of the next couple weeks. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Probably going to get a couple coaches on these next few weeks too. I think it'll be fun. All right, that's all. Enough for today. I'm exhausted. I'm done talking to myself. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Next episode, awesome. Get in your questions. Aaron Torres podcast questions. Also, Kirk Herbstreet, even if it's only for a couple minutes, I only have them for about 10 minutes, so just be prepared. I don't want you guys mad that he only answered a couple questions, but Kirk Herbstreet next episode. Aaron Torres podcast questions if you have anything you want me to ask him. That is all for today. Shout out to my boy Torrent Craig. I will be back on Thursday. Later, guys. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.